Hello, I'm Stephanie Ruff. And I'm Aviva Nabeski. We're the hosts of the Dressage Today podcast, where you can find us talking about anything and everything dressage related. Our conversations span the world of dressage from leading riders to local level dressage heroes. We're talking training advice, showing tips, and sharing stories to inspire your own dressage journey. So tune in, then tack up. Welcome to the Dressage Today podcast, sponsored by Horsewear Ireland. Later on in the show, we'll be talking to Maryland-based trainer Michelle Wellman, who owns and operates By Chance Farm. A dressage and event writer both, a few years ago, Michelle began offering Cavaletti clinics as a method of cross-training, as well as just something different to do with the horses. They've become incredibly popular across many different disciplines and all levels of horses and riders, so much so that we, Dressage Today, uh, went and filmed two sessions with her for content on our subscription video sites, Dressage Today On Demand, and our new sister site, Practical Horseman On Demand. And Aviva, you've known Michelle for a long time, haven't you? I have. I, I figured out that just about the time that I started riding, when I was first starting to take lessons, Michelle was one of the barn kids. Um, she had moved from another stable to our stable and was already a very talented young rider. And I think we probably even took a couple of lessons together. Um, she moved on after a while, as did I, and we reconnected through Potomac Valley Dressage Association. And I'm so impressed with everything that she's accomplished over the years. She's quite a talented young woman and um, proud to call her a friend. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I really am looking forward to our conversation with her. Yeah. Yeah. So this podcast is being released on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So I just thought we could answer the age old question. What are you thankful for? So Aviva, how about it? Okay. Well, I will try not to talk for an hour about all of the wonderful things that I'm thankful for. And I, 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 I'm not sure where to start. I'm, I'm thankful for my horses. Um, my horses who give me unconditional love, who teach me, um, who are patient with me. Um, I love my horses. Um, I'm so incredibly grateful for the wonderful students that I have the opportunity to work with. It's so rewarding to see people who want to learn and who do the heavy lifting between lessons and then come to their lessons prepared to move forward. It's so exciting to see my, my students progressing and improving and having fun. Um, I'm grateful to all of the organizations and facilities who hire me to judge for them and to run clinics for them. Um, I'm, I'm grateful to the virtual shows that allow me to participate in their shows so that I get to know people from literally all over the world and I get the opportunity to see some phenomenally beautiful facilities and gorgeous arenas and places that I could only go in my dreams I get to see right on my computer. Um, and then I'm, I'm grateful to my trainer who is infinitely painful. Oh, painful. That was funny. Infinitely patient with me, despite how painful I'm sure I am to teach. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not the easiest student out there. Um, I'm grateful that I came back from my injury. I'm grateful to my husband for tolerating this insane lifestyle that we have. Um, and I'm just grateful that things have opened back up since COVID 
And I'm grateful that I get to live a life that's so filled with such wonderful things and that I feel as if I can be a little part of other people's worlds and bring them joy. So there's my short answer. There you go. That's well, you, you crammed a lot into a short answer. <laughs> I have a very good life. I'm a very, very fortunate person. I think after, you know, I, I posted something on Facebook this weekend about what I had done this weekend. And I, I, I just, I really am living the life. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's sometimes hard to get up in the, in the dark and the cold and muck mm-hmm. a stall. And sometimes it's depressing when you have an injury that you have to treat, but boy, do I have a great life. Yeah. Well, that's How about good. you. Well, you okay. I'm, I'm going to stick to one main theme for, for myself at this point in time. And it's going to sound a little bit self-serving being on this podcast, but I actually don't really mean it that way. Um, but I'm great. I'm, I'm very thankful to have a job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mostly because this time last year, I was still unemployed. I had um, lost my job in the early beginning of the year. And uh, so it took a while to find a job. And at this time last year, I still didn't have one. This one was kind of in the works, but it, you know, it was far from knowing whether or not, you know, I, I was going to get it. So, um, and, you know, so as part of that, last year was tough for, for that, you know, that reason and, and others, but so this year, I'm obviously grateful to have a steady paycheck and health insurance. Those are, you know, things that really help (laughs) along a little bit. (laughs) Well, and, and we are all grateful that you got this job because you're bringing this wonderful here. I'm going to sound self-serving this wonderful (laughs) podcast out there. Um, and, giving me the opportunity to, to rub noses with, you know, some pretty fancy people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what I was, yeah, what I was going to kind of say with this job in particular um, right now is the thing I'm most grateful for are the people that I've met this past year. And, you know, because I actually really like all the people that I work with, even though we're all remote. So, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily see each other in person. Uh, but everybody's really nice to work with. And, uh, and kind of like you said, I have met incredible people. I've talked to every one of our dressage Olympians this year, and I have had the good opportunity and fortune to meet dressage enthusiasts from all over the country, Maine to Utah and to Kentucky and places in between. So that is really, and that's what I've always loved about being in the horse industry is it has afforded me opportunities to, like you were saying, to go places and to meet people that I never, ever would have done otherwise. And um, it is, yeah, it has afforded me some fantastic opportunities. And I too am grateful to you, Aviva, for agreeing to do the podcast because it would be really boring if it was just me sitting here talking to myself. Well, yeah, no, it's wonderful talking to you. And I, it's, it, I, I try to think of, you know, one or two people when you and I are talking um, to whom I kind of want to share this information, the things yeah. that we talk about. So I, I feel as if there are more people in our conversations than just the two of us. Yes, I feel the same way. And, and that kind of makes it feel like, yes, we're one big happy family. Yeah. So we should say that we are grateful to all of you out there who are listening to us. Absolutely. We're making this popular. We do. We do appreciate it. And we hope that we are meeting 
your needs and your desires and you know although stephanie is always asking you to send in questions for the ask the l feel free to send in recommendations or suggestions for things that you'd like to hear us talk about or people you'd like to have us interview and if we can accommodate you we'd love to yeah definitely and we um because we are actually in the planning stages for next year we're already looking well, already we're we're looking ahead and we're excited about what we're going to be bringing you in the in the next year but we'll probably maybe talk about that a little closer to uh, year's end and a little closer to january fun With our Ask the L segment today, of course, last month's question came from me. It's a little bit internal right now. This month's question is not really a question for Aviva. Rather, it is a question from Aviva. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're familiar at all with dressage and, and competing in the sport of dressage, you are probably familiar with the position of scribe at a show. And if you aren't, a scribe is the individual that sits next to the judge who records the scores and comments from the judge as the test is being written. And this is without a doubt, I think you would agree, Aviva, one of the most important roles at a dressage show. Sometimes I think the scribe is more important than the judge. <laughs> <laughs> you, may be, you may be pretty close to being right, because if they don't get it, then it doesn't really matter what the judge says, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, right. I've been very fortunate I've had over the years that I've been judging, I've had some absolutely phenomenal, fabulous scribes, and I'm not going to call anybody out by name, because if I forget somebody, I'm going to be really embarrassed. But those of you who I talk about all the time know that I'm talking about you. Um, a good scribe really makes a difference in the life of a judge. Um, when I have a scribe who can keep up, who understands the test, who understands her role, who writes things down, who listens, who's accurate, who's efficient, I can give you, the competitor, much more information than if I have a scribe who can't hear me, whose pen keeps running out of ink, who is more concerned with watching the test herself than with recording what I have to say. Um, I am reminded every time I judge that a good scribe can make or break my day judging. So what makes a good scribe? Um, the first thing that you need to remember as a scribe is that the judge that you're scribing for is working. And she's working from the minute that she rings the bell until the minute that the person gives her final salute. And then she continues to work when you hand over the test sheet for her to write down the collectives and the further remarks. So a good scribe is one who is attentive to the judge, who pays attention, notices what's going on around her. When somebody comes to collect tests at the end of a couple of rides, isn't sitting there chit-chatting away and gossiping, but is keeping people quiet so that I can finish writing what I need to write. A good scribe is one who says things to me like, Aviva, we're running five minutes late, you need to shut up. I have no problem with that. Tell me that I'm talking too much um, so that I can keep on, on target. A good scribe is someone who knows how to abbreviate. A good scribe is someone who is able to be able to multitask, who can glance up and see that somebody's making a 10 meter half circle. Um, and the judge says, um, 
lengthening needs to cover more ground and realizes that that's not the right words for a 10 meter half circle and can either scramble to figure out where that lengthening is or can quickly say to the judge, what number are you on? So sometimes judges forget to give a score. Sometimes judges forget to give a comment. Um, a good scribe is aware of what's going on from movement to movement. Um, you know, there's just, there's so much. A good scribe is someone who has a good sense of humor. So when the, when the judge mutters something under her breath that really shouldn't be out in public knows to giggle and not repeat it. <laughs> you know, what, what happens in the judge's box stays in the judge's box. It's a lot like Vegas. Uh-huh. You bet. know, a, a, good, a good scribe is efficient. A good scribe remembers that we've already judged this person once and so I remember what number they were or you know what something else that when there are changes in the schedule is able to figure out how that change impacts a good scribe is one who notices you know the tests are changing we're no longer doing training level test one suddenly we we're, we've got a training level test two in the middle of things and lets me know because it's really embarrassing when I ring the bell and tell somebody that they're off course and they're not. Oh. Um, I just don't know which test they're riding. And then, you know, I look like an idiot, which isn't the worst thing in the world. But what is bad is that it shakes the, the rider's attention and focus. Yeah. So, you know, a good scribe runs, rides herd over her, her judge. Um, and as I said, those people who scribe for me on a regular basis really know how to do a good job and really know how to keep me on track. And I couldn't do it without them. I simply couldn't do it without them. There's no, no way for me to judge and write at the same time. I was going to say, um, I'm, I'm sure all judges feel the same way in, in that regard. Oh, yeah. You know, and a, and a good scribe also knows things like, you know, it's one thing if you scribe for the same judge repeatedly or if you're friends or you share something. But when when I scribe for licensed competitions and I don't necessarily know the judge and it's an S, um, when the person comes down center line and the horse rears, my my role as the scribe is not to go, oh, my goodness, or to comment on anything that I see that's happening during the test. Um, at the end of the test, when the judge has finished doing everything, most judges are willing to talk right before they ring the bell for the next rider. And maybe that's the opportunity to say, um, I noticed that horse had his tongue out a lot. Did you reflect that in the scores? And let the judge give you an answer or say, let's talk about that in the break. So it's a great way to, to learn about stuff, but you need to know when is the appropriate time to say something. Right. I've had a lot of scribes over the years who have told me what the scores should be, um, which I don't really appreciate. Really? Really. Wow. Um, I've, I've had, gutsy. yeah, I've had, I, I've had scribes who have wanted to tell me some personal information about the horses and riders in the ring. Um, oh. And it's always nice to hear gossip, sure, but I'd really <laughs> rather not know those things until after the test. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to be biased. Um, you know, there are there are scribes who have said, "Oh, I saw that horse last week, and it reared through the entire test and was eliminated." I don't want to have that bias. I want to. I want it to be a clean slate. Yeah. 
So, you know, some of being a good scribe is knowing when to keep your mouth shut Mm -hmm. and some is when to say things. Um, And to remember it, it is a very subordinate role, but it is an incredibly important role. Right. And, you know, the, the, the attention to detail is so important. The scribe needs to make sure that this rider who's in the ring is the same rider who's on this test sheet. Because when, when all is said and done, if we've scored an entire test on the wrong sheet and we don't know it, that means that the rider who just had that test isn't getting the correct score. Yeah and isn't getting the correct comments. And those things are really important. So people are frequently afraid to scribe because there is a lot of pressure, um, but it is a wonderful way to learn. It's, a, it's, a, it's such an important role. If you're a little bit worried about it, volunteer to scribe for just some intro tests because those take a little bit longer. Um, and you have more opportunity to take your time between comments and watch and learn, or ask the the show manager if you can actually sit behind the judge and the scribe for a couple of rides and see how it's done. Um, It's probably the most rewarding role of any of the roles, I think, at a horse show, um, with the exception of judging, which I think is great. you know, can't all be the judge. So if you can't be the judge, the the next best thing that I think is, is being the scribe. And then the next best thing is being the ring steward because the ring steward gets to watch everything. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who are interested in scribing, um, pay, pay attention, learn your place. I don't mean that in an obnoxious (laughs) way. Um, but you know, know what your place is, stay, stick, stick into your own lane. Um, and at the end of the day, you will find that you've made a new friend. I can't tell you how many times I have gone to scribe for big name judges over the years, and they are now personal friends. And um, what a rewarding way to get to know people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, if our listeners have any other questions about showing or judging, or like Aviva said earlier, any ideas on things that you would like us to discuss or people you would like us to interview, please feel free to email me at sruff at equinenetwork.com or contact us on Dressage Today's social media. When we return, we have our interview with Michelle Wellman. Tis the season to give your horse something special. Horsewear Ireland's innovative blankets, accessories, and therapy products are designed with your horse in mind. With new items added to our online shop daily, you're sure to find what your horse needs to keep warm and protected throughout the cold winter season. Shop online by visiting shop.horseware.com. Dressage Today listeners receive free shipping through December 31st, 2021 by entering promo code DRESSAGE in all lowercase letters at checkout. Michelle Wellman is a full-time trainer and instructor at By Chance Farm in Union Bridge, Maryland. 16 years as a mechanical engineer and project manager allowed her to build By Chance Farm into the business it is today. During her time in corporate, she taught and trained part-time and on the weekends. 
but having ridden most of her life, it has been a blessing to be able to enjoy the sport that was once a hobby, now as a successful career both teaching, riders, and horses. Michelle spent most of her riding career eventing through the preliminary level on multiple horses, taking two to USEA year-end awards and Area 2 championships. In 2003, Michelle started focusing on dressage a bit more. In 2011, she received her USDF bronze medal and her silver medal in 2015. In addition to the Cavaletti Clinics, Michelle hosts a series of popular dressage schooling shows and licensed shows throughout the year. Well, I'm so happy to welcome Michelle Wellman to the Dressage Today podcast. Thanks for joining us this evening. Thanks for having me. Well, we are really looking forward to talking with you. But the first thing we sort of want to know is how did you get interested in horses and riding? Well, I am the only person in my entire family that rides horses. So I can only think that as a child, I really liked horses a lot. I wanted a horse. I had every single My Little Pony that existed. (laughs) And at some point, I think I was about seven years old, my mom broke down and figured out where she could take me to have uh, horseback riding lessons. So I started riding at about seven and that was the end of it. I never stopped. So (laughs) that's kind of like me. I'm from a completely non-horsey family, but, and I started lessons at eight. So I think we all have, a lot of us have very similar stories. Yeah. I come from a non-horsey family and I started riding when I was 32. Okay. Well, (laughs) you have to be different, Aviva. I know. (laughs) Well, over the years, who were your mentors or people that have influenced you in your riding career? Uh, Well, there's been quite a few, um, but the the most recent people, uh, when I was eventing, I rode with Phyllis Dawson, and she really helped me with uh, cross-country riding, which wasn't exactly the the thing I liked best about eventing, which most people, that's why they event. They want to run cross country. <laughs> yeah. Um, but run fast, me, jump high. Yeah. yeah. She, she helped me move, um, move beyond some of my reservations and push me out of my comfort zone. And, and that was really useful from just how to, how to push people to places that they don't think they can do, but they actually can. And um, as far as on the dressage side, uh, I can't really thank Yana Dyer enough for giving me the opportunity to ride some really nice, fabulous horses and work my way up through the FEI levels and get my silver medal. Um, that was an invaluable experience for me and really just helped me figure out where we're all trying to go <laughs> yeah. with the massage thing. <laughs> I've always been so impressed with you, Michelle, because I know that you you earned your medals on horses that didn't belong to you and that there have been people along the road who have given you the ride on their horses. And what a um, what a generous thing that is to do and also what a testament to your riding and to how kind and correct and soft you are that people would allow you on their horses on a regular basis like that. Yeah, I mean, I really was very fortunate. I I had uh, uh, my first horse when I was a teenager was probably the 
soundest and most athletic horse I've owned. Everything else that I've tried to own and ride and bring along, I've had all sorts of weird, crazy things go wrong with them. That it's just, it's been unfortunate for me, but at the same time, I've been extremely fortunate to have people who believe in me and my riding and have allowed me to compete their horses and you know, be successful. Yeah. yeah, that's very cool. All so how did you get into the whole Cavalette, you know, you, you, you evented and then you pretty much turned everything into dressage. How did you get into the whole Cavaletti thing? Well, um, in 2016, I left corporate. I worked full time for 16 years. And after a couple of uh, not very pleasant experiences, I decided I was going to give horses and teaching and training full time a shot. And I went through the uh, ICP program with USCA that year, got certified and started doing uh, jumping mini clinics in the winter that fall, winter. And so I did a half a day clinic with one group that was Poles Cavaletti and then three groups that were various heights of jumping. And they were reasonably well attended the first winter, but what ended up happening was more and more people wanted to do the Cavaletti piece and not the jumping piece. <laughs> and over the years, uh, my eventing students have transitioned to dressage, more dressage or moved along and are not in my program anymore. And my cav uh, jumping clinics ended up morphing into Cavaletti clinics. And more and more people would came and heard about them and enjoyed them. And I actually just ended up with a, a, a wide variety of people in different disciplines. I have hunters and jumpers, dressage riders from intro through Grand Prix. I have eventers. I have Western riders. I have trail riders and endurance riders will come and do them. I've even had some gated horses. At wow. Them. What do you think the appeal is? Well, I mean, I try to really try to tailor the exercises to a variety of difficulties. There's they you can make them as easy or as hard as you want. And so people get to come and do something different and feel like they've succeeded at something yeah. that they've never done before. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just I make them I make them fun. <laughs> I don't make them so challenging that people feel like they can't do it. I change the, the exercise or the pattern to accommodate the horse and rider and make sure that those, those horses and riders feel like they have had a successful and educational experience throughout the entire um, session. Have you ever had a horse that just simply couldn't get it? I'm thinking about my horse, Leo, who <laughs> either walks on the poles or gets caught up in the X's holding the poles. Uh, every once in a while, I get one that just can't quite figure out what to do with their feet. And we, I just try to break it down and make it easier. Okay. Um, because I've had horses like that, I actually do in the winter now, um, every other session, I do, I call it Cavaletti Light. And it basically put a lot fewer pulls out with, with 
just as complicated of a pattern, but they're not as um, footwork oriented for the horses that either just need more time learning how to place their feet or even riders who are concerned about being able to do a line of poles. Mm. Um, I mean, I have had exercises that I've set up where I've had 20 poles in a row with one gap. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, that's a bit intimidating for some people. And, yeah. and I'll, so I'll modify it. And that just it, because it's flexible, it works for everybody. And nobody feels like they are a problem or can't do it or, you know, list the reasons that you yeah. have to make a change, right? I just yeah. try to make it so that everybody <laughs> feels like they've succeeded. Well, there you go, Aviva. You'll have to give it a try. Well, have you have you ever had anybody who did it in hand first? Yeah, actually. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I'll, if you'll let me do it in hand first, I might just try it. Because as I said, he's. Um, I tried introducing him to Cavaletti at home and... Um, it was, it was sort of a disaster and um, he does not jump anything. Um, he doesn't jump puddles. He doesn't jump things on the ground. When I'm leading him out, he goes around stuff. So I think Cavaletti would be wonderful for, for his development of self-carriage and for, for collection, but I've been a chicken. So yep. maybe, maybe this is the best thing in the world is talking to you tonight, Michelle, because I'll, I'll bring Leo out and you can help me be brave. Uh, absolutely. I, I mean, I had a Frisian that used to plow through everything and we just, we worked on the horse and the rider and their communication and proper half halts and how to teach the horse better self-carriage and the horse started to go over everything instead of through it. <laughs> and, and actually one of the horses in the, in the videos that we did um, used to step on every single pole. <laughs> And okay. doesn't now. He, we, he does it every month and, and it's gotten better and better and better. And, and he just has improved. And the better he's ridden, the better he goes. Well, there so, you go. All, all right. right. Well, I'll try to, put, try to put my big girl pants on one of these days. <laughs> you put it out there to everybody, Aviva. Now all the listeners are going to know. So yeah, we're going we're, we're to come back to this. You know that, okay. right? <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll have a private session with Michelle first so I don't publicly humiliate myself. We can do that. <laughs> okay. I'm flexible. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet, I'll bet you are. <laughs> <laughs> So in addition to the Cavaletti clinics, you also put on quite a few schooling as well as licensed dressage shows. What made you want to take those on? Insanity. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and, you, and you're still doing them. Though. You're still doing, I was going to say, yeah, you're still doing them. Yeah. So we do, uh, yeah, I host eight schooling shows through the season, this the spring, summer, fall season, and four one-day license shows. And what really started that was, uh, I think it was back uh, maybe 2010, I wanted to uh, contribute to the dressage community in the area more. And I had this big giant ring in this nice facility. And I appealed to the local GMO and asked if they wanted to host a schooling show at my farm. And we did that uh, a couple of years. And then that morphed into 
me hosting them myself and um i just kept expanding and expanding and expanding and um they're part of a local dressage series that's not affiliated with the gmo right um, now called frederick area dressage shows and the lady who organized and started that is actually my show secretary for all of my licensed competitions so we um chatted one day and decided that, hey, we could actually do this because I can have two full-size dressage rings in my outdoor and warm up in the indoor. And we gave it a shot, did a one-day show in, I think it was 2015. And that was the end of that. And we kept going. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as someone who has competed at your shows, who has judged at your shows, who has coached at your shows, your footing is beautiful. The facility is lovely. The parking is easy. It's just so inviting. And, it, you know, the idea of a one-day show, a one-day license show is so amazing because people can, you know, there's so much less pressure. You, you, you drive in, you ride your tests, you leave. It feels like a schooling show so that there isn't that scary pressure. Yep. But it's a big deal. And you have wonderful judges. You always hire great people. Um and, you know, speaking, speaking for my, my community, we're really grateful that you do this. Well, I felt like there was a waning, um, not necessarily interest, but interest in hosting shows in the mm-hmm. area. And there weren't very many of them anymore. And I felt like it was necessary to contribute and give back to the community. So I did. And it's really turned into a kind of a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll even echo what Aviva said. I mean, I didn't do the license shows because I moved away before you started those, but I did do several of your schooling shows. And I always had you, you always put on a very good show. You had very good people that, and I always had a good time because it was, you know, it was a very positive environment. And um, so, yeah, I always enjoyed coming over there to show. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> and I'm and I'm very bummed that I moved away before the Cavaletti Clinic started, or I'd be going to those too. <laughs> you know, Stephanie, there's no reason you can't move back up here. Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> I'll get right on that. Yes, um, cold, cold. I don't do cold. <laughs> you were just in Utah. I was, and it was 60 degrees. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, it was 70. 70- five here today. Okay. Well, you know, talk to me in January and February. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, so as somebody who does all of these shows, I mean, you realize that's 12 shows a year. You do realize that. And the, and the paperwork and, and everything that's involved in doing licensed shows makes running a schooling show sound like a piece of cake. So what advice do you have to, to, people who might want to take on something like this besides Uh, don't well (laughs) no it's actually a a, if you put the the level of thought into it and organization it's actually quite rewarding to do it Uh, but I would say to anyone that wants to start small don't bite off more than you can chew yeah yeah make sure you think about the organizational and planning aspects of the facility and what it can and can't accommodate from number of rides people in the warm-up area and parking (laughs) and then absolutely 100 percent make sure that you find good people to help you and then take care of them yeah i can't tell you 
how many people have told me over the years how well I take care of my volunteers compared to other places that they volunteered. They feel valued. They feel like they're, they're part of a team. They enjoy it. We have fun. They, I, I try to give them all sorts of nice little things and, you know, make them feel like their time is worth it to me, yeah. know, worth their help. And that passes on to the riders, you know, I mean, all that like good vibes and good energy that you give to the volunteers, then, you know, segues right on down to the riders and the participants and everybody. So I think that's a big reason why you have such a positive environment. You know, shows shows do have a, have a feel. I, you know, I'm not going to name names, but I know that I've been to shows in, in one particular facility um, that many different organizations use and the, the flavor of each show is different. Um, and I know the flavor at, at your place, not only, you know, most of the time I'm there judging the schooling shows, but you value your judges. All of your volunteers always have smiles on their faces. You know, people, the, the riders come in with, with smiles on their faces. There's just something about, you know, you, you make it, you make it good. And I, I think that, that you're saying that is really important because, when you don't treat your volunteers well, when you don't treat your judges well, when you don't treat your competitors well, people don't want to come back. And if they do come back, they're coming back simply because they need a score or, you know, some other very concrete reason. And they come in, they do their thing and they leave and they, and they leave a sour taste behind. Um, And you're not doing that. So kudos to you. (laughs) Well, thanks. I, I really try hard to make sure that everybody has a good experience. And your license shows for our listeners, they're, they're named dressage, comma, and then by chance with a question mark. So, so that's definitely kind of a unique name. How did you ever come up with that? Well, I mean, everything, everything at the farm, it's called by chance farm and literally was named because I found the advertisement, the real estate listing for it in the Chronicle of the horse, (laughs) totally by chance. (laughs) So we named the farm by chance farm. And I, um, when trying to come up with names for the shows, we went back and forth, um, Leslie and I, my show secretary, she and I went back and forth with all these kind of cutesy, goofy names and boring names like summer dressage at by chance or something <laughs> like that, right? Yeah. And, and, I, and I said to her, well, what do you think? I mean, by chance, we're doing this. What do you think about dressage by chance? <laughs> and she said, that sounds good. We, I like that. That's kind of fun. So... That's kind of how it came up, you know. We it's a dressage show, and it was just a pun on the farm name. And and are you uh, my my announcer who is wonderful? He always enjoys uh, <laughs> I- introducing the competition in the morning, saying, "Are you here for dressage by chance?" <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's fun. Yeah. So we have a good time with it. See, you start you see it all starts right there. It all starts in the title it's supposed to be fun right that's that's what we that's what we say yeah 
so besides having fun, though, it is a hard sport. It's a difficult sport. It's a difficult way of life, owning and operating a facility, particularly one in you know the size that yours is. So, just overall, what is what do you find the most challenging? Oh, there are so many aspects of the business that I'm involved in. I could go on and on <laughs> and on about it. Um, I, I mean, I think. The bottom line is that you know this business is is oriented around people and horses, and they're both hard. Yeah. And and you know the horses are hard because they're heartbreaking and at times, and and they're uplifting at times, and you never really quite know what you're going to get on a day to day basis, except that they have unconditional uh, love for the people that take care of them. And, you know, the, on the other side are the people and the people are not always easy. <laughs> and, you know, as I've learned and said with the dressage shows, um, the, the most, the, the, the best you can take care of the people that you deal with, the, the more you can treat them like you would like to be treated. And I know that's kind of cliche, but it is absolutely true because I have been able to surround myself with ex extremely exceptional people as part of my client base, my student base, my volunteer base, you know, competition base. And it makes it so much easier because there is a sense of community around it. And I think trying to create a community can be very difficult, but it can be one of the best things that you can do to ease some of the issues that we have from people, personality conflicts, yeah. and, you know, differences in opinion about uh, training and care and all those kinds of things. And so as much as I, you know, just rambled on and on and on <laughs> about that, <laughs> um, it's it, the, the, the two main pieces of the business are people and horses. And those two things are hard. Yeah. You got to know how to deal with them and handle them. And, and that's not easy for everybody. It takes right. practice and, and the ability to, to be humble and learn and improve. And also to have a thick skin. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that too. There are definitely times that's necessary. <laughs> yeah. 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 It sounds like you don't have a lot of the um, barn drama that we hear about. I refuse to have it <laughs> when, when somebody comes in and looks at my facility to board or train or as, as for lessons, I tell them we, we don't do drama. Uh, if you have a problem, you need to tell me about it. You need to bring it up. I will deal with it. If I can't deal with it, then we will find an amicable agreement that either you can, you're happy here knowing that we aren't going to accommodate you or, feel free to go find somewhere else to board. No hard feelings. But yeah. you have to bring it up to me because if you don't bring it up to me, I can't fix it. I can't address right. it. And yeah. if I don't know about it and I can't do anything about it, it's not helping anyone. So I tell that to every single prospective client that comes into my, my barn to look at it. And I have found the people, the types of people that I really want in my barn and those people don't tolerate drama either <laughs> so they don't allow it and people who try to start it either stop or they leave 
So for um, people who are interested in, in your farm and the events at your farm, how can they find out more? Uh, well, I have a website. It's um, bychancefarm.com. And then okay. we also have a Facebook page. Okay. And that's under and, By Chance as well, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, all of the shows are posted on there. It's uh, November. The show season for next year is four months away. So I haven't gotten <laughs> to updating everything yet. <laughs> but um, I'll get it updated over the course of the next couple of months. But there's a, a web page for uh, every licensed dressage show. And then there's a page that lists all the schooling shows with information. And, and the Cavaletti also, clinics, right? Yep. There's also a page for Cavaletti. Yep. And I try to post all of the events on Facebook on the By Chance Farm page under um, as individual events so they can be easily shared. Super. Very good. Well, I have one last question for you that we like to ask everybody to just get their perspective. And you, you spoke to it a little bit already, but to sum it up, what do you feel makes a good horse person? Horsemanship. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but you have to pay attention to the people and the horses and, and learn how to communicate with all of them because that's how you're going to be successful learning how to make your clients and, and horses successful. If, if the horse doesn't understand, you're not going to get anywhere. And I, I know that's kind of high level and, and broad, but it, it, it's, there's too many levels of detail that, go into that. And so what I would say to anyone is if you want to learn how to be a good horse person, find somebody that has good horsemanship. Yeah. They take good care of their horse. They pay attention. They know how to handle the horse on the ground. They, they take lessons. They, they don't think that they know everything and they're <laughs> always open to learning. Well, that's, yep, I, I would tend to agree with you definitely. And um, I've told people that a lot, that if you run into someone who says they know everything they need to know, run away. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I'll, uh, I'm first to say, I know I don't know everything. No. Nope. if I don't know, I'm going to say I don't know. Yep. And the, the, and the more you learn, the more you find out you don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If, if nothing else, horses do keep us humble. And that humility is, I think, what what makes us take good care of the horses because you have to listen. If you don't listen to the horses, you're going to get hurt. Yep. Yeah, that's very true. Mm -hmm. Well, Michelle, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to chat with you a little bit and find out more about you and, and um, your very, very popular events that you have there. And we just appreciate you. Um, talking with us and sharing all of your Cavaletti clinics with us. Well, it's been a lot of fun and hopefully we'll get to do it again in the future. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Michelle Wellman for joining us. And if you want to watch her Cavaletti clinics, visit ondemand.dressagetoday.com. Enter Michelle 15 at checkout to receive 15% off your subscription. Thanks also to our episode sponsor, Horseware Ireland. Thanks for listening to the Dressage Today podcast. 
If you've missed any episodes or to subscribe, go to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Learn more and read in-depth training articles at dressagetoday.com, or you can visit our subscription video site, ondemand.dressagetoday.com. Be sure to give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Happy riding, and we'll see you at X. The Dressage Today podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC.